Welcome to the live broadcast. My name's Chris. We're here at the Orient Campus. So glad you've tuned in today. We're in week three, the final week of our series, Unstoppable Force. What are we talking about? We're talking about the power of the local church. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world. And guess what? He meant it. That means you. That means me. We're supposed to go, not just talk about it. It's a powerful message from Dave today. I'm really excited that you've joined us. But guys, really importantly, we've got something coming up in two weeks, Easter Sunday. So what I want to encourage you to do right now is go to kensingtonchurch.org slash Easter. Get your Easter tickets, as many as you want. But we do have to reserve tickets for Easter because of the thousands and thousands of people that do show up. We want to make sure you have a good seat. So uh, again, go to kensingtonchurch.org slash Easter. Get your Easter tickets today. We're so glad you've joined us. Guys, I really invite you to connect with us on our Facebook page, on Instagram, on Twitter. We've got great things happening there, but if there's anything we can do to serve you, to serve your family, please don't hesitate to get a hold of us. Please don't hesitate to get a hold of me. We really believe in adding value to you, uh, our community, uh, online. And you guys are just as much a part of this family as everyone that's sitting in these seats. But we really encourage you to uh, get plugged in, get involved. Let us know how we can serve you. But guys, we're going to get started in here about 60 seconds. But so glad you've tuned in. Hope you enjoy service. Once again, kensingtonchurch.org slash Easter. Go get your Easter tickets today. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the service. Enjoy the morning. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. everybody. Good morning. Hey, with Easter coming up and everything, we wanted to start just by singing and singing about how awesome God is. So if you want to join with us, we'd love you to sing with us. It's called Shot in the Light. It's one of my favorites. It's fun. Waking up to another life. No more sorrow, no more night. You're the light. Let it shine now. Let it shine now.
Well, good morning, everyone. Who's loving the 50-plus degree weather? Yeah! Spring is here this week. We're so excited. It's awesome. Also, whose bracket got totally shot on Friday night watching basketball? Yes. Hopefully you're loving watching March Madness. I know I am and much of our staff are. We're in a fun little tournament here with us at, on staff, and I am fighting as hard as I can to stay out of last place right now. And so I needed two wins last night from Michigan. Thank goodness. Yes, go Michigan, right? That was great. And uh, Virginia Tech as well. So hopefully we get one today with green and white, and uh, we continue on. But hey, welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Ryan Morrill. I'm our kids and family pastor here. Glad you're joining us on this wonderful March Sunday. If you're new today, we just want to remind you or let you know, I guess you wouldn't know this, but out in the lobby following service, we have this place called Starting Point. A bunch of people walking around in orange shirts, lots of information they can give you. They can point you to wherever you need to go, answer any questions you have, help you get connected here. If you have children, you have teenagers, you're looking for things that are going on throughout the week here, they've got all the answers. So please stop by there. We've got a wonderful welcoming gift for you as well um, and check that out. Um, Hey, coming up, uh, we have a lot going on in the next four weeks. I'll talk about Good Friday and Easter in just a minute. But four weeks from now, Sunday night, April 15th, we are having our baptism service right here on this stage. It's an incredible opportunity to celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives and in your life. And uh, to hear more about that, we got Danny Cox right now to talk about it up on the screen. Watch this. In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home from that Easter service, looked at my wife, and I said, the man that left today is not the man that stands in front of you. And it began this journey with Jesus. In fact, it was about a three or four year journey. And friends of mine used to say, hey, you you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. But I felt like God was saying, no, wait, wait for your wife. And in 2004, my wife came to me and said, hey, you know that baptism thing? want to do that with you. And we got baptized that summer. It was a beautiful ceremony out in Stony Creek. When we were coming home, my wife said to me, you know what? When we were coming out of the water, I felt like God gave me a vision. Now, if you know my wife, Amy, that's not how she speaks at all. And I said, oh, tell me what this vision is. And she said, you know when you're on a roller coaster and you get, you're in the seat and all of a sudden you start going up that hill, chink, 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 and you start moving up that hill to go to the crest of the hill. She goes, that's the vision I had. And then I felt like God said to me, buckle up, you're about to go on the ride of your life. And that statement was one of the most true statements we'd ever heard. Over the last 14 years, Amy and I have been on the ride of our life with Christ. And Kensington is holding their baptism service on April 14th and 15th. And if you're that person that feels like God is tugging you to him, then we're inviting you to be baptized. There's nothing magical in the water. But as you go down into the water, it washes your old self away. And as you come up, it's symbolic of God making you into a new creation. It's your public declaration of an inward reality. So come be with us. Come get baptized. And I know that you're going to have to buckle up and get ready for the ride of your life. Come join us. I love the line. It's a public declaration of an inward reality. And wherever you're at on the map, you don't have to have all the questions. You don't have to have it all figured out in life right now. But if Jesus is doing something in your heart, in your family's heart, maybe it's in your children's heart, um, we would love for you or them to get baptized on that evening. Go to kensingtonchurch.org slash baptism uh, to find out more and to sign up. 
for that. So hey, two weeks from now, right here, Sunday morning, we will be in the middle, um, actually probably towards the tail end of our Easter services going on the whole weekend. It's a three-part piece starting next weekend with Palm Sunday. We have a whole service planned that's uh, part one, then part two with Good Friday, and part three with Easter as well. And uh, on your way out today, you are going to be uh, have the opportunity to pick up these cards. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth. That's what uh, the theme is this year. And uh, these are used partly to remind you to get your tickets. It's a placeholder for you. They're free online, but kind of secures your place, helps us keep everybody showing up to knowing how many people are going to show up at which service. But grabbing your tickets online will get your, your place and your seat in here. Please do that. But this is also meant for you to be thinking about who to invite. Whether it's something you slide across the table um, at a coffee shop or at a lunch meeting, or maybe there's a few desks in your workplace that you could put this onto as well and engage in conversation, invite somebody to come with you as well. People will go when you ask them. So grab three, four, five, six of these, whatever you need on the way out the door, and use these. It's going to be an incredible experience, and Dave's going to share a little bit about that right now on the screen as well. Watch this. Every magic trick has three acts, and we believe the story of Easter has three acts as well. This Easter season, we are so excited to invite you to a series we are calling The Greatest Show on Earth. Our team has been working to create a three-part journey that begins at Palm Sunday, laying out the story of Jesus' entry to the city of Jerusalem as just an ordinary man on a donkey to his extraordinary act of love on Good Friday. Everything culminates on Easter Sunday as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead in the most amazing death-defying act in all of history. A magician knows the secret behind the illusion, but with the story of Jesus, there is no illusion. We believe that this amazing story is all actually real. Join us as we reveal the hidden secrets to this story and see for ourselves the miraculous gift that is offered to each of us through the greatest show on So you guys probably already know this. That starts next week. Palm Sunday is next. Am I right? Yeah. Next weekend. It's going to be 60 degrees next weekend. Spring is here. It always comes to Palm Sunday, right? Never is there snow in Michigan around Easter time. Ever. Right? And Michigan State's going to win today, right? I'm just making predictions all day long. But anyway, uh, as Ryan said, I'm not kidding. I I grabbed, a, I got five or six of these in my pocket. I would encourage you to do the same thing. When you walk out today, our ushers have these. Uh, obviously, I'm not giving five to myself. I'm giving these to neighbors and people I run into. Um, here's the thing. Ryan was right. There's been studies been done that people that don't go to church say, if I was invited to a holiday service, I would go. Eight out of ten people say that. All they need is an invite. And here's the thing. You're thinking, uh, my parents or my, you know, whoever won't come. If they think this story of Easter is like a hoax or like, you got to be kidding me, this is the perfect Easter for them. Because a magic trick is an illusion. Every magician will tell you that. There's no magic. It's just an illusion. And people think the same thing about the resurrection. Well, we're going to look at the resurrection this year and go, let me take you behind the curtain. And let me show you the evidence that exists to, be, to make me a believer and see if they would have the same conclusion. So it's a great, great Easter service to come. Here's, here's one of my dreams, and I, and I challenge you to consider this. If, the, if this is your home, one of my uh, goals every Easter and Christmas is to fill a row. I call that. I literally pray to God, help me fill a row. 
And I know you're thinking right now, well, there's rows in the back that are a lot shorter. Okay, fill one of those rows. It doesn't matter. Like this row up here has got like 30 seats, so that's a lot of people. But, but bring 10 people this year. It would literally be life-changing, uh, legacy-changing, and eternity-changing. So it's a great time to be alive. So here we are. We are in the last week of a series called, anybody know? It's all about the church called Unstoppable Force. Oh, you didn't say that with any passion. The church is an unstoppable force. force. Sort of like Michigan last night, huh? Wow. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I figured this is our last week on sort of a church series, and I haven't heard a, to, told a church joke yet. You guys want a church joke? Here's a church joke. I, I, I don't know the last time I've told this here. Ann and I usually tell this joke at our marriage conferences, but uh, true story. True story. Little country church in the middle of nowhere, gets about 50 to 100 people to come to a little service on Sunday morning, and this one Sunday, they're all sitting there, and they're having a great time, and again, it's a sunny day, and the windows are open, and it's just a little country church. And the preacher's up there on stage, and all of a sudden, the back door kicks open, and everybody heard it, so they turn, and they look, and Satan is walking into this church. Now, how do they know it's Satan? Because Satan always wears a red jumpsuit with little horns, right? (laughs) True story, true story. So he's walking in this church, and he walks right down the aisle, and the place just goes silent, because they're all like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's the devil himself. He walks up on stage, turns to the front, and he starts to speak. And as he starts to speak, everybody starts shrieking and yelling and running out of the church because he's saying, I can terrorize your life. If you're a Michigan State fan, I can make Michigan win with 3.9 seconds left in the game, right? And so people are just screaming and yelling, and they're literally running out of the church. People are jumping out of the windows. They're so scared of the devil. He's in their church, right? And so in the front row, there's a guy sitting right here all by himself. He's just like 70, 60-some years old, 70 years old, just sitting there like this. He's not moving. And everybody's gone but him. So Satan walks over to this guy and goes, so do you know who I am? He goes, yeah, I know who you are. He goes, who am I? He goes, you're Satan. He goes, you're right. He goes, you're not scared of me? He goes, I'm not scared of you. He goes, everybody else just ran out of church, but you're not scared. I'm not scared of you. Satan says, why aren't you scared of me? He goes, because I've been married to your sister for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one, isn't it? I, I, I bumped into a guy in the bathroom before this service. He goes, I didn't learn anything at church today, but I'm taking that joke to work. So anyway... <laughs> Um, that's one of those great ones. And I should have said I've been married to your husband for 40 years. Sorry, women. It could have gone either way. It doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just a church joke. And so I don't know if you realize this, but last week we used this sort of interesting title, and we have another one this week. Last week was called Pastors Should Not What? Should Not Lead Churches. And if you weren't here last week, you better go watch it because that phrase sounds like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean pastors shouldn't lead churches? I'm not going to tell you what I said. But I think after you watch, you go, you're right. Pastors shouldn't lead churches. It's a whole different gift mix. This title, and I bet you didn't even see it because often we don't even put it in our program now. It's on, online. But the title today is this, God did not invite you to church. Again, it's a title that should make you go, what? What do you mean God didn't invite me to church? God did not invite you to church. Now, obviously, some of that is true. God does invite you to church, right? I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't invite you to church, but I think you'll understand in a few minutes what I mean by that. But don't just take it at face value because God God does invite. I I just told you, grab invites and do what? Invite people to church. Invite them to Easter. So part of that's not true. In fact, the reason we invite people to church is because we're following the example of Jesus. Some of you know this. When he called his very first disciples, he used a, a couple words. And what did he say? Come and come and see. He just said, he didn't even tell him, he just, just come and see. 
Just come. You come and see. You follow me. You will see the glory of God. You will discover who I am. Same thing we do on Easter and at church services. Come and see. You don't have to tell me anything else. Just come and see. Yeah, well, I'm not at church. Just come and see. If you don't like it, don't come back. But if you do, maybe something's going to happen. So obviously God does invite us to church, but there's something loaded in that phrase that it's much bigger and deeper than that. And so you can see I've got a whiteboard up here today because many of you know this. I am an amazing artist. You didn't know this. Disney and other companies, I turned them down to be a preacher. But, you know, when you see my artwork, you'll understand that I am, I mean, it's just amazing that this is what I chose to do with my life instead of this. But I'm going to draw you a diagram. I'm going to be honest. Most of my message is going to be this diagram. And wait till it's all done. When the glory is revealed, you can take a picture of it and then you can take it home. And it'll be the whole sermon sort of in in a drawing. But what I want to do is draw you sort of the way that God has decided to reach the world and our misconceptions of it. So here's how it starts. You've got God up here at the top, right? He's up in heaven, and if he is going to reach the world, how's he going to do it? Most of you can draw this drawing yourself. He is going to come down to planet Earth. That's the Earth, okay? Here, I'll draw it for you so you can really see my amazing artwork. There you go, and there's... Africa, there we go. So you see it? Doesn't that look like the earth? The first service, I drew Europe over here. I got a text from a buddy who goes, dude, you don't even know where Europe is. It's, it's there. Okay, I knew that. I was just going all the way around. Anyway, so there's the world. And some of you know this because the Bible actually tells us in a verse this very thing. John 3.16, sort of famous verse, right? Anybody know what it says? For God, what? So loved the world that he what? He gave his only son that what? Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. That's what it says. In fact, some of you are old enough to remember, there used to be a guy, I don't know if he still exists, called the Rainbow Man. Anybody remember this guy? He'd wear a rainbow wig. He'd go to stadiums all around the world, Olympics, NFL, Super Bowl, and he'd buy a ticket and be in the end zone. So when they're kicking the field goal, he'd hold up this sign. It said John 3.16. Anybody remember this guy? I met the guy. He was at Silverdome back in the days and tried to get a ticket. He was like an evangelist, and that was his way to reach the world. He'd just hold that up and hope people go read that verse. I remember thinking... Does that work? I was literally sitting in the Metrodome years ago as the Lions chaplain. At that time, I wasn't on the sideline like I have been for the last 20 years. This was, they put me in the press box, and I was sitting beside an injured Detroit Lions player in the Metrodome, and that sign came up as we were getting ready to kick a field goal. I see it over there, and I look over there, and I go, man, what is that guy thinking? People aren't going to, literally the player beside me goes, hey, man, do you know what that means, that John 3-something? I'm like, yeah, I do know what it means. And it started a conversation with this player because I quote, because some of you know this, the entire strategy of God is in that one verse. I've done this many times here. I don't have time, but I've explained the entire gospel of Jesus through that one verse. Anybody remember? That verse gives you four points. You want to you take something home? Here you go. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What do you need to know to become a Christian? Two things. God loved, God gave. That's it. God loved what do you do? He gave. When you love somebody, you give. It's just the way love works. You don't take, you become a giver. God loved. He didn't say, I love you. He proved it. He gave his son. Those are the only two things you need to know. You don't need to know when the rapture is. You don't need to know if he created the earth in seven little 24-hour days or the hypostatic union or all this theology. All you need to know is God loved, God gave. What do you need to do? We believe, 
we receive. It's all in one verse in the Bible. It's crazy. An entire gospel. We believe. We trust in. We put our life on. I believe this is true. What do we receive? Eternal life, which doesn't start when we die. It starts the second we commit our lives to Christ. We have a new life with purpose and power and hope and joy. Not a perfect life, but an entire new life that starts the second a person becomes a Christian. That's why you invite your neighbors to Easter. Because they don't know that, and they're going to learn that at Easter. That's all in this one verse. And the way that God said, I'm going to broadcast this to the world, is I'm going to come down through Jesus, show that I love and gave, and if people believe. But here's what we've done with this. We think God loves the world, but the way the world looks at this is it's sort of like this. We've sort of built a box around this, and we put a little steeple on top of it called a cross. Sort of like this, I guess. <laughs> I'm an amazing artist, aren't I? We're going we're gonna to change that. And then we, you know, we put a little front door here. In fact, we sort of replaced the world with this box, and we call it the church. There's a front door to church, you know, and then you got little people in here, little people in here. You got women, they, they always wear dresses in church because that's what they're supposed to do. They got a little hair, and you got happy people. Everybody in church, whoops, you got three eyes. That's a nose. They're happy, happy people. And this guy, there's a lot of bald people. He's got one little bang. That's me. Okay, so those are the people in church, right? So the church is all these people inside a box with a steeple and a, a cross on the top that tells them that, that they're... So here's what we sort of have taken this God loves the world thing to. We, we sort of broadcast to the world, and I think the world thinks this. God loves church people. Why? Because they're good people. Seriously, most people think the church, people in church look perfect, dress perfect, Never sin, never cuss, never, you know, uh, I mean, just, everything is perfect. They never gamble, go to Vegas and bet on March Madness. That's where I was literally yesterday with a group of guys that go to Vegas every year and they bet on the games. And I went and just hung out with these guys. I'll tell you more about that later. So, I mean, we, we sort of think that, that God loves good people that are church people. And then you've got all these other people out here. These are the sinners, all right? And these women, oh, they don't wear dresses. They're really sinners. And of course, they're really sad because they're sinners and they're far from God, right? They're out here. Oh, they're all sad. They're empty, you know, and they do sinful things like go to Vegas and bet on basketball games. And, you know, some of them, oh man, these are real sinners, man. They, uh, this is a motorcycle, they ride motorcycles, and they're like crazy, woo, 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 just living fast, and their hair's blowing out the back, right, right, huh, you got that, right, that, that's sort of what happens, oh, oh, and these sinners out here, remember we talked about this last week, they love rock and roll music, because of the two and four beat, remember, anybody remember last week, because the two and four beat makes you want to, don't say that word, we're in church, you can't say the word sex in church, because you don't talk about those kind of things in church. That's what sort of the world thinks. And here's the deal. This is the strategy that we think is the way it's supposed to work. Is like, here's the good people that God loves and sent his son for. Here's the sinners all out here. And man, they are just living crazy. I mean, they're drinking, drinking, drinking. And they're smoking, smoking, smoking. And they're cursing, cursing, cursing. You know, I mean, it's just bad people. None of the people in here ever do anything like that, but they do. And so to reach them and tell them that God loves them, what do we do? We say, if you want God, here he is. Come to where God is. Where's God? God's at church. So they are invited 
And again, that's not a bad strategy, but it's not the best strategy. But they're supposed to come to where God is. And if you'd ask most people that aren't church-going people, if you ask them, where is God? They say, he's at church. That's where he is. He's in this building, and you got to go there on a Sunday or Saturday for one hour, actually 70 minutes, <laughs> and that's where you find God, because that's where God is, because he loves those people, but he doesn't love us. So if we want him, we got to go to where he is. And I'm not kidding. And there's people, and you know some of these people, out here that think their sin is so great, they can't even walk in here. Do you know anybody like that? My own brother, literally my own brother, told me I cannot come to your wedding because if I walk in that church, it will fall to the ground. And he laughed and I laughed and I thought later, he meant it. And he still thinks that. He came to my wedding, but he was really almost afraid to walk in the building of God with the people of God because he was so much less than them. But it's the strategy of the church. Here's where we meet. Come join us for one hour on Sunday. And maybe you can discover what we discover is called God. Now let me ask something. Is that a good strategy? Here's the thing. That strategy doesn't work. You can do the same thing I did this week. You can Google how many people live in Oakland County. 1.2 million a couple years ago. It's probably more now. How many of those people go to church? They'll tell you. It's 52% say they go to church. And actually, I think a lot of those people belong to a church, but they don't go. Because when you look at the numbers of churches and how many people come, it's nowhere near 700, you know, 750,000 people go to church. It's, it's, it's more like maybe 150 to 200,000 people. Now, that sounds like a lot of people, but when your, your goal is 1.5 million, two, 2 to 5 million people, that's a very low percentage that ever go into that box. And the ones that say they do are probably lying to make themselves look better that they go to church more than they ever do, especially now with live streaming, right? So the amount of people that we as the church are actually reaching in this area is very, very low percentage. Now, let me ask you, is it working? Nope, not working. Why? Because we believe God wants to reach every one. We're in this campaign right now. That's why I'm wearing a t-shirt. Every one. Well, we're not reaching everyone. We're reaching a very small percentage of everyone. So maybe God had a different idea. And all I'm going to do today is teach you a couple verses. And there's this beautiful verse that Jesus spoke in the end of the book of John. It's actually after he rose from the dead and he spent some time with his disciples, he's literally giving them the mission of the church. And he makes this phrase, or he says this, this sentence that if you're not looking for it, you'll read it and just keep going. This is one we should stop and go, wait, 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 wait. what did he say? Because he literally just laid out the purpose of church people. Here's what he said. He said, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Again, he's just risen from the dead, and he's sending them on a mission. Look what he says. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Again, you should stop and go, wait, wait, wait. What did he say? Just as the Father has sent me. Well, we know this, right? The Father sent Jesus to planet Earth. You know what we call this? Here's a word for you. You want to write this down? This is called the vertical in car. Make sure I spell this right. Somebody took a picture last service and told me I spelled things wrong. Thank you, church. All right, so vertical <laughs> incarnation. What's that mean? God came down vertically and incarnated himself. What's the word incarnate mean? Anybody know? Any, any chefs out there? Flesh. Incarnate. Carnate. Flesh. So it says God took on human flesh. What? 
to prove to us he loved us. He didn't just say it. He came and became one of us. So it's the vertical incarnation. God came down to us. And here's what we think. He loves us, and we're supposed to invite people to join us. But Jesus said at the end of his life, he says, just as the Father sent me, just as the Father has sent me, I now, what? Send you. So what happens? Here's what I would do. You get rid of these arrows. You know where I'm going, right? I would even say you can get rid of this box, right? Because the church is what? It's not a building. We've said that hundreds of times. Now, we're building a building on Clinton Township. Why? Because it's a place for people to congregate. But the church has never been brick and mortar. It's always been the community of God. That's what we talked about last week. It's people. And by the way, just to, just to remind you, and I know you already know this through, these people that are uh, followers of Christ are not perfect people. They're nowhere near perfect people. They don't dress perfect. They don't talk perfect. They don't live perfect. They're not perfect people. Do you realize there's people that come to our church that actually smoke? <gasps> you know, some of them are right now in Vegas putting money down on March Madness games. <gasps> I mean, oh my gosh. If you hear them talk sometimes, you're like, they, they talk like that? Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying... Imperfect people are sitting around you, not you, the ones around you. <laughs> You're perfect. They're all messed up. You know, you roll your eyes like, look at that dude trying to get out of the parking lot. <laughs> Obviously a sinner. And I'm not angry at him at all. And the people trying to park us, oh my gosh, you should hear the stories I just heard last week about what you say to our parking people. Oh my gosh. I said, I'm literally soon, soon to see, we're going to do a drama. And you're going to think, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And we're going to say, that was all true. That all happened right out there by church people. These are not perfect people. You hear what I'm saying? And so you already know it's going to happen. So the vertical incarnation is God says he loves us. And we believe that. So we become followers of Christ. There's many in this room today that are in the church. Your family of God. And there's others here that have been invited or coming looking for God. And you're not there yet. But Jesus then said, just as the Father has sent me, okay, what, what do I need to do? I now send you. This is the way the church operates. What's the, what's the point of our title today? God didn't invite you to church? No, he invited church. But he said it's much bigger than that. Go be the church. The church isn't a bunch of people that meet on Sunday and and, and, and do what we're doing right now. That's part of it. But it's like, go. Go run the play. You go reach him. God's not going to send a blimp and say, I love you. How's he going to say to the world he loves you? Through you and me going to love our neighbor. It's called, if this is called the vertical incarnation, this, here's a word for you, horizontal, I got to get this right, incarnation. There it is. This is called... The horizontal incarnation. What's that mean? We now, the church, the body of Christ, incarnate in our flesh, what? The spirit of God, and we go. Take Jesus to them. Just as the Father sent me, I now send you. Here's what the church has become. It's all about me. God reaches me, and I keep it right here. It's like, that's it. It's like going to a football game and watching them huddle. And you're sitting there, you paid 100 whatever dollars, they're in a huddle. You're like, are you guys going to break the huddle? Are you going to run a play? No, we're just going to huddle. What are they doing in that huddle? Oh, they're singing songs about how great their coach is. They're, they're talking in little 
prayer language about how great their coach is. They're saying, let's take a collection up for our coach, right? Like, run the play! Go run the play! Can you imagine two huddles for an hour and 20 minutes? You'd never go to that game. And that's what the world thinks the church does. We huddle, we talk about how great God is, we sing songs about how God is, and then we go home and we stay in our little houses and we never tell anybody about how great our head coach is. He's the greatest coach in the universe and our neighbors don't know it, but they're looking for him. We know it, but we won't even go to their neighborhood. We won't go to their barbecue. We won't shovel their driveway. We have nothing to do with them. The door, garage door goes down, goes up. We think church is about going to a building and God said, no, no, no. Just as the father has sent me, I now send you. Where? To your neighborhood. Oh my gosh, this is the church. If we started living this out, the horizontal incarnation, let me tell you something. People would be coming to this one hour, 70 minute service in droves because you incarnated the power of God. Do you get it? That's the church. And, and by the way, let me tell you, the people are clapping right now. You know why I think you might be clapping? It's because you just understood some of you for the first time why you're on this planet. Do you get it? If you're a follower of Christ, here's what I hope you just got. So I'm not supposed to be a sponge? Nope. I'm supposed to be a funnel? Yep. See, a sponge soaks it all up, and for me, it's just like, let's hold it all right here. God loves me. This is awesome. God's made my marriage better, and it's awesome. God's made me a perfect little perfect guy. This is awesome. You're going to tell anybody, no, man, this is just me and God, man. It's all about me. And God's going, no, 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 no. I didn't do this just so you could squeeze it. I did this so you'd be a funnel. We just sang a song to start the day, which is about the mission. Shine a light, shine a light. You don't go walk around your house shining a light to your spouse. I mean, that's good. But it's like, no, do you realize your neighbors are living in darkness and they don't even know it? I mean, I drew these little frowns over here. They're partying. They're enjoying life. But they lay down in bed at night. They don't know why they exist. They don't know the love of God. There is a sense of discouragement in their life. And you live right next door, or you work in the cubicle next door, or you work out with people next door, or you're, you're in life, you're going to school with people that don't know what you know, and what do you do? Nothing. The best we do is, hey, you want to come to Easter? That's great. That's awesome. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But it's like, God said, go. Go. Here's what I'll do. I'll do this really quick. There's another verse back in the book of John where I believe Jesus, or John's writing this, and he's talking about Jesus, and he gives us almost a three-point strategy how would we do this? Some of you are sitting there like, okay, I want to go. I don't want to just be here. And here's what we think. We think this go means I got to go to Africa as a missionary. And if God calls you to go to Africa as a missionary, you go. But here's what I don't think we realize. God's calling you and me to be a missionary every single day. I use a statement here all the time. Some of you should be able to finish this. I always say this, make a dent where you're sent. And then people always ask me, well, I don't know where I'm sent. And my answer is profound. It's profound. It's one of the best things I've ever come up with. I want to see if anybody remembers. Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. It's so profound. It went way straight over your head, right? Make a dent where you're sent. Where am I sent? You are sent where you... Some of you remember. That's deep. You are sent where you are. What? Where you are is where God's sending you. It isn't somewhere else. It's your workplace, your neighborhood, your apartment complex, your Uber driver. I was in probably five Ubers this week in Vegas. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how'd I end up alone with this dude driving me for 10 minutes? God is sending me what? To make a dent. How do I do that? I'll show you. 
John writes this in John 1, the beginning of this book, and he's trying to build a case that Jesus is the Christ. And he says, the word became flesh. The word here is referring to literally Jesus. It's another way, way to describe Jesus. The word God became flesh, Jesus became flesh, and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Three thoughts coming out of this real quick, and I do this in, uh, I got 11 minutes. I'm, I'm good. I got plenty of time. Um, here's, here's a thought. I thought, okay, how do we actually live out this horizontal incarnation? Here's three S words. Serve, stay, speak. There it is. There's my amazing work of art. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, all right. Don't clap. You're just, I get it. It's terrible. I'm terrible. I get it. But, you know, but you get it, right? Here, here's the first one, and I believe this. The word became flesh and made his one among us. Here's what it means to become flesh. Think about this. In that one phrase, and again, we don't read the Bible like this. Like, stop and ponder this for a second. God, Jesus, was in the highest position in the universe. He is the creator. He's running the universe. And he left that powerful position to become powerless and take on human flesh, incarnate. He becomes the incarnation of God in flesh. He goes from power to powerless. Why? To serve us. Some of you know one of the famous verses of Jesus in Mark 10 is he said, I did not come to be served. The Son of Man not, did not come to be served, but to give his life away in service of others. You know that? It's like of all people that deserve to be served, he came to serve others. Let me tell you something. I think we live in a culture. It's different than in the 70s. I think in the 70s, when I was coming to Christ in college and then starting to try and reach my teammates and guys uh, on the college campus, I think people were interested in knowing what is the truth of Jesus. They wanted to, to believe before they belonged. I think we live in a culture now that is basically saying to the church, and that means you and me, show me. Show me your God in your life. Show me your God in your action. Am I right? They're not even interested in our, our, in our language or our talk. They're like, I don't know. Just show me. And how do we show them? Serve. Serve, serve. Become powerless. Give your life away in service to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your family, family member as far from God. Remember the one and always think, God, how do you want to use me to reach my neighbor? How do you want to use me to reach my son or daughter or my mom and dad? Or my, how do you want to use me? I'm telling you right now, the first thing I think God's saying to you is just serve them. Just serve them. Don't even need to tell them. Just serve them. Just show up. When they're going through a crisis, you be the first one at the front door. You be the one walking across the neighborhood. By the way, this never happens. Walk across your front yard into their front yard. <gasps> That's where the sinners are. It's sin, you know, and you walk over there and you just hang out. Just serve them. Hey, I heard your, your son's in the hospital. How can I help? They'd be like, what? What do you care? Most people don't care unless they're in there. Well, I'm your neighbor. You don't have to go, I care because the blood of Jesus wants to wash you clean of your sin. Just serve. <laughs> Just serve. You hear me? Just show up. How about shoveling their driveway one day for no reason? Mowing their yard. Driving their kids somewhere when they don't have a car. You just show up. I mean, my gosh, when people go through crisis, guess who's last to the party? The church. We're known as the people said, that's why, you're in, that's why that judgment's coming on you because you're in sin and God is bringing his judgment. Shut up. Just show up and serve. Just show up and say, I love you. How can I help you? I, and, and sometimes that's a sacrificial financial part. It's like, man, I'm not going that far. Do you want to show people the love of God? Just serve. When you serve, you're shining a light. And I got to be honest. I, last service, I, I, I didn't even put this in my notes. I'm not even looking at my notes. I, I didn't put this in my notes because I'm like, I'm not telling this story. 
Because I had a bad moment last night serving a woman at the, uh, the parking garage cashier counter. I get home from Vegas. It's a long story. I went for a couple days with a guy from Kensington who said, I'll pay your way to go with me and my buddies. We go every year and we just watch the games. It's really fun. So I'm, I'm like, I'd love to go. So I go. And flight's delayed. I get back. You ever been where you're just exhausted? I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I was in Vegas. Why am I exhausted? I'm exhausted. I got to preach today. I'm getting back. at supposed to land at 9. I landed about 9.40. Uh, I couldn't park in the garage. I wanted to when I got out Wednesday because everybody, every spot was gone. So I had to park offline. Even though it's cheaper, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to get home as fast as I could because I got to preach to you guys today because you guys matter more than anything. So anyway, so I finally get in the shuttle and I don't remember what lot I'm in because I never park in there and I told him the wrong one. So everybody gets off in the right one and then he's like, you're the loser, dude. I got to take you over to your lot. So that's another half hour. I literally get in my car an hour and a half after I landed. I had no baggage and I'm just mad. Anybody ever been there? Just in a bad mood. So I'm like, okay, finally, find my car. I'm driving out. Should I go to the cashier line? No, I got the credit card where I put it in. You just put it in again. So I picked this line. I put my card, credit card in. <laughs> out of order. Card doesn't come back. There's nobody there. Just me and I can see the girl in the thing. I go, hey, can you, uh, this thing's stuck. She goes, oh, yeah, it's doing that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so what do I do? She goes, just wait. We're going to send somebody. I go, wait? She's just a lane over. There's nobody there, just me and her. I go, wait? Yeah, we're sending a guy. Uh, and I could have served her. I could have been nice. I could have exuded the love of God, the joy, the peace that beyond all. I, could have, I have all that in me, but not last night I didn't. I was pissed off. I'm just being honest. I was like, I literally went, are you serious? You want me to wait right here? How long will that be, ma'am? I did it just like that. Total arrogant chump attitude. Even as I'm saying, I'm like, what am I doing right now? And she goes, sir, it'll just be five minutes. I go, okay. And I literally went like this in my head to make sure she knew I was upset. And it was not five minutes. It was 20. I text Ann, I won't be home now. And she goes, okay, okay. I'm like, you're supposed to be mad with me, you know? <laughs> and the guy shows up, and I'm not nice to this guy. He literally comes up, does a little thing, goes, here's your card. He goes, don't use this card. They don't work in these machines. And I'm like, did you just say it's my fault? That's what I said. Like, you could put a sign up. And I said, well, at least you're going to let me go free, right? No, 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 sir, just back up, and you can pay the cashier. So I back up. I go over. I go, you're not really going to charge me. She goes, $44. I go, seriously, I'm sending an email. What a jerk. Shine your light, shine your light. I took a blanket and covered up that light. I just covered it up. It was like, I had 15 minutes last night to serve her. There's nobody even came through the thing. I could have loved her. I could have showed her the joy of Jesus that surpasses all circumstances. And I chose not to. I'm guessing you've never done anything like that. It's just me. And I wish I had an example here to go, let me show you how I served. I blew it. And I'm telling you something. If I would have been able, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm able, why? In my own flesh? No. The power of God in me? Yeah. I'm able with his power. I could have served her, loved her, asked her how her day's going. How's your weekend going? I bet it's been pretty busy. You know, I had a few minutes to talk to this woman behind the thing. And what would have happened if I would have showed a joy that surpasses circumstances? She probably would have been like, 
what's that dude got that I don't have? But she didn't ask any of that. Why? Because I did what we do. Hey, come to church and you can find God rather than go be the church. I don't know what God's saying to you, but I think he's saying to you and me, serve. Even when it's hard, just serve. And then here's the second one. He made his dwelling among us. I don't know if this is the right word or not, but it's stay. What's that mean? Don't run away from sinners. Run to sinners. See, when I came to Christ in college, I was told, run away from sinners. Here's what I think I should have heard. Run away from sin. Run to sinners. I ran away from both. And there is, it's a very tricky little point I'm making here, and I don't have time to develop this fully. But when you give your life to Jesus, you need to begin to separate yourself from sin because if you hang out around the sin patterns you had in your old life, you'll fall back into them. You know what I'm talking about? Do I need to develop that? And so when I came to Christ in college, I hung around sinners, and we'd go to the bar and drink and chase women. And as soon as I came to Christ, I still did that with them. And I was like, I'm going to reach them. Well, all I did was I became them. I remember I had a mentor who said, for a period of time, you're going to have to pull away to find your new life and strength, and then God's going to send you back. And he did. I separated for a while, and for a while, the locker room looked at me like, oh, holy man, he can't hang around with us anymore. And that's what it looked like. But after a period of time, I'm like, no, I need to go back and hang out with them in the bars. And I went back with a teammate who was a believer, and we held each other accountable. We're not going to go back and drink. We're actually going to drink Coke while they drink. We're not going to chase women. We're just going to be their friends. And guess what happened? Because I stayed rather than running away, here's what I did. I would literally put myself by the beer table and start conversations with guys. And I came up with this phrase, even back then, I should have known I was going to be a preacher someday. I came up with this phrase, conversations lead to conversions. Conversations lead to conversions. If you're never there, If you never go to the barbecue in your neighbor's backyard, if you never go to the New Year's Eve party because you're too perfect to hang around with those sinners, you'll never reach those sinners. But when you're strong enough, get a buddy, get a partner, get a couple and say, let's go. We need to go to the parties. We need to be a part of it. We don't need to party. We need to be there, party in for Jesus to reach them. Because if we don't hang out with them, we'll never reach them. Do you understand? The church has so separated themselves from the world that that we're separate. And they think the only way we're going to find God is we got to go to where they are. No, the church should be going to where they are and bringing the light into that party. Do you understand what I'm saying? That'd be awesome. You go in there, you're laughing harder than everybody else. Why? Because you're faking it? No, because you really got joy in you that, that, that isn't determined by how much alcohol you're drinking or how much sin you're doing. It's like, they're, they're like, dude, are you drunk? No, I'm not drunk. Well, if you really want to say, you could say, yeah, I'm drunk in Jesus. That really worked well. Don't say that. But it's like, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking of something that's different than you. You know what I'm saying? I, I just heard this guy speak. He has a ministry in Hollywood. And he said this Hollywood actress who, I won't tell you, is very famous, met him and said to him, you have a spirit in you I've never sensed in anyone else. And what did he say? I've got Jesus. No, he didn't want to freak her out. He said, I've got the spirit above all spirits. She goes, I want to know this spirit. He goes, let's go. And they started a journey and he led her to Christ. Not in one night. But over a period of time, as he said, let's do life. And he got his wife, and they started to interact with this Hollywood community. He started leading people to Christ. How? Because he didn't run away. He stayed. The first one I would say is another a word would be become powerless and serve others. The other is stay in their proximity. Don't run away. Stay in their proximity. And then the last S would be this, speak. Speak what? Jesus. 
See, this is where we, I think this is where we get too scared. We serve, we stay, and then, you know, when they're, when they're, when they're open to Jesus, we're like, oh, I'm not going to bring up that word because then it'll turn them off. No, there's a moment when you're serving them and you're staying in their life, they are being drawn to the light of God in you. And there's going to be a part of them that's going to ask you and you speak. If you don't know what to say, I told you that at the beginning, God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. That's a one minute conversation that could lead to a 15 minute discussion. You literally could lead somebody to the kingdom of God and never bring them to a church building. And that's what God wants. He's not going to send me to your party. He's sending you. He's not sending you to invite them to here, although that's one part of the strategy. He said, no, no, no. Go, serve, stay around for a while, spend time with them. And then when it's appropriate, speak out the truth. Speak out the answer. They don't know they're looking for the answer, but they do, and you've got it, so speak it. I was doing this marriage conference with Ann in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, and on Sunday morning, we split up the men with me, and the women go with her and talk about being a wife and a mom, and I talk about being a husband and a dad. Anyway, we're split up. After that session, we have one more session to go, and uh, this happens at every marriage conference we do. The rest of the morning, I'm not, I'm kid, not kidding, two hours, Ann will have a line of women that want to talk to her for two hours. I don't see her again until we get on the plane. So there's an air wall that splits us and they bring the air ball back down and we get back into the main ballroom and everybody comes back. Well, while this was happening, all the guys leave the room to go check out and thing, come back. I look over and there's this line of women waiting to talk to Anne. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she will not, she'll be so exhausted. And then these three women come over, two women and a woman in, in the middle and they come over to me because I've been speaking all weekend. So now they know me and they say, hey, can you help us? I go, sure. They go, we wanted, we wanted Anne, but I guess you'll do. But they literally look at the line, they're like, this will take hours. So I said, what do you need? And they look at their girl in the middle, probably a 40-year-old wife, and she says, I want Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus right now. Can you help me? Yeah, I think I can do that. I'm like, oh my gosh! How many times has this happened? Can you lead me to Jesus? Yeah. What do I have to do? Speak. All the serving's been happening all weekend. We've been there with them all weekend. Now is the moment to speak out the gospel and lead her to Christ. So in five minutes, I lead this woman to Christ. She's in tears, surrounding her life. Her husband comes running over going, what's going on right now? She goes, honey, I just gave my life to Christ. Oh, big embrace. I'm like, what's the story? Oh, our, our marriage is a wreck. Now we have a chance. Her husband's been praying, has a whole team of people praying that his wife this weekend would give her life to Christ. And I got to be the guy because I'm second best to Ann. I was just... <laughs> Awesome, And I thought, oh my gosh, you need to experience that. Your neighbor's probably not walking over to your house tonight after the Michigan State victory and saying, would you lead me to Jesus? But what's going on, if you understand it, church, is God is sending you into your neighborhood, sending you into the workplace. When you walk into work tomorrow, if God has blessed you with a job, you walk into work tomorrow, here's what you should be praying. God, use me. I am your light. I'm going to shine your light all day. Use me. I'm going to serve people all day. It's not going to be about me. I'm going to serve people. When I see a need today in this office, I'm going to show up. Not to go look at me, to go look at him. I want people to notice I am the servant here. I don't care about me. I care about others. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go to lunch with these guys today. I'm going to go to the party Friday night. I'm going to show up and just exude the joy of God. And when the opportunity is right, and God, I'm going to be bold. Sometimes I'm just going to, I'm going to turn the conversation there. I will speak about you. And God, would you use me to be the church? So think about this. We're in a series about the church, which is tied to this campaign, everyone campaign. What's that mean? 
Last week you heard this. If you're part of a church that apostles lead, which means go people lead, the church is always, our church is going to be a, a go pulse. Remember that from last week? The heartbeat, the pulse of Kensington is go, go, go. It isn't come, come, come. It's go. It's come and go, come and go, right? And then we go, and what do we do? We extend the church out there. So Go Pulse churches, I said this last week, are always going to have Go Pulse campaigns. We're always going to ask you to say, are you in or not? And that doesn't mean just show up and give your time and talent. That also means, are you willing to sacrifice financially to say, I want this church that I'm a part of to reach that world? That's why we run in Hope Water. We run a Detroit Marathon and Half Marathon and 5K and Bico. I found today there's even triathlons. We all do that. Why? For us, no. We raise money through that event to bless the world. We have a, 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 a kickoff next Saturday morning. You can go walk out to the Hope Water Table today and say, man, what's that look like? How can I be a part of that? Hope Water Table today, next Saturday morning, we're going to kick this whole thing off. Why do we do that? Because we want to go, go, go. Why is today a big day? Well, you can see on this, on this stage are these flower boxes that have people's campaign contribution. This is your day. It's over after today. You can give it next week if you want, but this is the day we're going to invite you to walk forward and, and throw them in here during the last song. Say, I'm in, and I'm in for this amount. And I know it's a big faith step, and some of you are brand new today. That's not your step. You're here to go, man, this is what your church is about? Yep, we're a church that's about this. Let's go. Let's go reach the one for Jesus and make a difference. So I want to show you a video. It's so cool. It's about the owner of Wolverine Harley. Anybody know that place? I ride a Harley, so I love Wolverine Harley. It's on the east side. It's one of the best Harley dealerships in the world. And it's literally on the the grounds where we're building our Clinton Township building, which will be done in May. They're moving in in May. And Chris Darbaugh went to George, the owner, and said, let's form a partnership. And it's just a beautiful picture of the church going and people responding to partnership up. And we're going to take our offering during this. Thank you for those of you that give online. This is not your moment to do the pledge card. This is our normal offering moment. After that, I'll come up and I'll lead us through a moment where we're going to take a walk. I'm going to invite everyone in this room, take a walk, drop in your card before we leave today. So watch this. customers, my employees, and their family, they've made this store and me the success that that we are today. Well, uh, the, the, my first interaction with Kensington was 
at uh, one of my biggest charity events. You know, there's thousands of people here. There's uh, five, six, seven hundred motorcycles that, that depart from here. It's, uh, it's for veterans. And during uh, this very busy time, this gentleman approaches me from the crowd and he introduced me as the pastor of the upcoming Kensington Church. He took 10 minutes of my time to express their need and their mission. And he informed us that you guys needed some of our property to successfully finish your driveway that leads this quarter mile goes back to your church. My partner very graciously has said, yeah, absolutely, give it to them. We love the fact that we did it, and ever since, it's just been magical. I've received more support from, from, from the church than, than that piece of property is worth. around ideas trying to figure out things to do to maximize what we could do for the church. I agreed to donate a motorcycle for a giveaway, a beautiful 2017 Softail Deluxe. It's one of my favorites. It's six-speed. It's fully, fully loaded. Just an absolutely gorgeous bike. That motorcycle will raise funds, for example, buy chairs. Okay, buy chairs for the church, and hopefully in one of those chairs, one young person will sit, and it will not only change their life, but probably change the life of friends and maybe even their whole family tree. In my opinion, one of the most important things we can do is support our, our church, support their encouragement. You can go into church anytime you want, it's free of charge. Okay? I know Kensington will give you free coffee. They'll give you free literature. They'll love you. Okay, whether you have a dime or whether you don't. So how does a really successful businessman make such a bad business decision of giving his stuff away? I think that's why we're successful. I think that's what I've worked for all these years, to be a success, to be able to give back, to be able to help others. I mean... That's what I've worked for all my life. That gives me more pleasure than anything else to be able to do something and help somebody. people should realize how important that decision by George and Wolverine Harley is to the church. You know what that enables Clinton Township building to do? They have two different street entrances. Do you understand what that means? You of all people know what that means. We have one. It's a really, really hard place to get in and out of because we only have Lapeer Road. They now have Gratiot off right behind the Wolverine and Hall Road. It's, it's awesome. It's a blessing from God that he didn't say, no, we're going to keep that to ourselves. No, he said, yes. We want to do this. And trust me, that Harley is going to show up here and we're going to auction it at all the campuses or not you know, just take t uh, auction tickets. You're not going to win it. I'm going to win it. But anyway, um, seriously, it's, it's going to be, uh, I bet we raise over $100,000 just for that bike. And somebody's going to walk away with the bike, but all the money 
is going to go to this campaign, the Everyone campaign. Because I think if you're new here, you need to understand this. This little bracket here around the one is really important to us. Jesus, the shepherd, left the 99 to find the one far from God, and all of heaven rejoices when that one comes home. It's our mission statements on the back to see every one transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And if you're a part of a church like that, guess what? There'll be ask of you often, and it'll bug you. Literally, there are people who say, I'll see you in three weeks. I'm not coming to this series. I don't want to give money. I don't want to hear about it. I'm not coming. And those of you stayed. They'll come back next week. I get it. I get it. Anytime a church asks for money, it gets funny. It just does. The zoo can ask you. The colleges can ask you. But when a church asks you, people freak out. And so this isn't us asking you. This is us asking you to ask God. And I mean that. If God says give, you give. If God says not now, you don't. We're not twisting your arm. It's between you and God. But I, I want you to know something, especially those of you that are new. I want you to know something. You're sitting around people, thousands of people who are all in. They're given for you so you can experience what you're experiencing at this place. Somebody is sacrificing for you. And that's what this place is. It's a, com- a community of people that are about, it's not about me, it's about them. It's about go. And that doesn't mean I just show up. That means I show up and I give my time and talents and I serve and then I give financially and I give beyond what I think I should give and God shows up. So as you walk up here today, and here it is, you can take a minute as, as we go into this last song, we're going to do a final song as you walk, you can fill this out. And I really, man, my hope is everybody in the room would fill it out. Even if you put a, a low number, high number, doesn't matter. It's whatever God puts on your heart and, and make this walk. It's a big moment. Some of us took this walk two years ago when this campaign started, and so, we, and so I'm doing the same thing. The one I'm checking right here is stay in, which means Ann and I are committing to what we committed three years ago. It ends next year, and we're going to stay in, and we're going to finish this thing. And I'm not sure how, because we, we picked a number that was beyond what we could do, and God's been showing up, and God's going to show up just like he has every other time, and we're going to take a walk of faith, and we're going to fulfill that pledge by next spring. Some of you are stepping up. There's people who came to me and said, man, I already gave what I pledged. Can I give more? Yeah, step up, give more. That's your prerogative. And then many of you are start up. You weren't here two years ago. You weren't here last year. And it's a, it's a funny way to think, but you're thinking, can I be a part of this party? You sure can. Start up would be, I'm going to make a one-year pledge. Here's the amount, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to give it monthly or one time, whatever you want to do. And again, you put that in. So let me tell you, I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll give you a minute or so of just some music so you can fill this out. And then as we start to sing, you can walk forward. Any one of these aisles, it's going to get crazy. You're going to bump into people. That's a good thing. And put your pledge in there. It's a really a walk of faith, a walk of commitment to say, man, I want to be a part of this family. And I don't just want to sit. I want to go and I want my money to do the same thing. So, Father, I pray, even now, that we would hear your voice. That you would speak, we'd listen, and we'd obey. Lord, we trust you. Whatever, you. whatever you lay on our heart, God, we're going to obey you. We're going to step out, and we're going to be a part of this thing. I don't wanna, we don't want to watch. We want to participate, and I know that's going to require time, effort, and money. And so, Lord, we commit this moment, our lives, to be fully in for you. And whatever you ask us to do, Lord, give us the faith, the courage to step out and trust you and do it. So speak now, Jesus. In your name, amen. So go ahead, take a moment, write down that thing, and as, as we sing, you can start walking.
here's the uh, the call. You know what I'm going to say? Don't come to church. Go be the church, right? Now come to church next week. We have a Palm Sunday service. We do not have a midweek this Wednesday. Don't come. We're not going to have midweek until after Easter, so don't come Wednesday night, but come back next weekend. And, and if you need to be fueled up before you go be the church when you leave and you want to come forward and pray with our prayer team, they'll be right here. Love to get burdens off and just let that go, pray with them, and then go be the church. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you for coming up and putting in there, and you can do that as long as you want to do it. See you next week. Bye-bye.